Your attention is precious. Pulled in a million directions for a million different reasons. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina works hard to make sure your health insurance isn't one of the many things distracting you from what's important. By making healthcare easier to navigate, we help keep your focus on the moments that matter most. Like dinner with loved ones. Letting you focus on you. That's the benefit of blue. Learn more at benefitofbluesc.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Mic Drop, the podcast where relevancy is irrelevant and we don't give a shit about your feelings. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, it's both an honor and a pleasure to welcome my next guest to the podcast. He is a repeat guest, so I'm not going to go through the full introduction. He's a good friend of mine. He's been on the show before. He's a former Navy SEAL. Uh, He's an overall badass. And most importantly, he is running for Congress in the great state of Arizona. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Mr. Eli Crane. Thank you, Mike, for having me back, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming. Um, So I guess the first question uh, that I would would ask is, what the fuck were you thinking? Uh, when, for, when, for, on, for, on what occasion? For uh, well, all of them. No, I'm kidding. Uh, just in terms of running for Congress, what uh, what was the the thought process? I, I remember when you were here the last time, you actually mentioned afterwards that that there was a good chance that you were going to do that, but you hadn't announced it yet, so we didn't talk about it at all, and, and it was kind of in passing, going out the door. So I'd love to get kind of the you know what was the the point at which you said, you know what, this, this makes sense. And this is what I want to do. Was there kind of that, that light switch moment for you? Yeah, there was. And it's weird with, uh, talking about that stuff. There's some, there's some compliance rules where you can only, um, confirm that one time. And from the time that you confirm it, like it's, it's game on. And so, yeah, that's why you'll see candidates, um, be very careful about, when they can say it, when they can announce it, just because of the, you know, some of the rules behind how that works. Um, but for me, you know, just being a concerned citizen and, you know, watching the headlines get more ridiculous every morning when I fired up my phone or my laptop or whatever it was, being a dad and, you know, just being a patriot who loves this country and realizing that, you know, coming to that stark reality that, wow, the biggest threats to this country right now are within. It's yeah. not, it's not like, uh, and that, th- it's not to say clearly we don't have some massive foreign threats because we do, but the biggest, you know, a house divided cannot stand. And there's a lot of people trying to divide this house, you know, in every way, shape and form. And so just coming to the realization that that was going on. And then, uh, you know, I actually had some folks that, um, I'd met when filming a commercial for another Arizona politician. I was asked to do a commercial for an Arizona politician. Um, 
And at first I was a little hesitant to do it. Um, you know, it wasn't necessarily something I was looking to get involved in, but when they told me, um, Hey, it was, uh, basically a commercial that was, uh, an anti Mark Kelly commercial. Who's actually a former Navy guy. He's yeah. a former astronaut. And it was his wife that got shot. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yep. But his, you know, and not to say that I don't res- respect Mark Kelly and what he's, what he did in his military career. And then what he did as an astronaut, but from a political standpoint, you know, once you, once you cross that line and, and, you know, in my mind, um, it's like game on. Yeah. You know, once you become once you start to become part of the establishment that's destroying this country, you know, because of just reckless out of touch policies, um, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'll do the commercial. And so did the did the commercial. And then some of the folks, uh, you know, that were uh, facilitating the, that reached out to me, I don't know, maybe eight, seven, eight, nine months later and uh, said, hey, you know, we want to talk to you. We think we think we think you might be able to flip this seat in Arizona from blue to red. Yeah. Would you consider it? And so, so you got the concerned the concerned patriot, the concerned dad watching watching this stuff, getting pissed off about it, and then uh, you know an an opportunity um, you know comes up to try and do something about it, and then like everybody else, I go into my decision cycle. I start. Um, you know, start to pray about it, start thinking about it, start talking to my friends, advisors, peers. Hey, what do you guys think? Do you think this is foolish, stupid? And, you know, the resounding theme, the collective was, hey, Eli, we we think you should give this a go. We think you'd be good, yeah. you know, good at it. So that 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 collectively is what led me to uh, what what yeah. the hell were you thinking? Yeah. Was, was there a part of you that thought like, who the fuck am I to be a congressman? Like, one hundred percent. And yeah. I still that I still think that every day, Mike. Yeah. And you know what's funny about that is, you know, I don't know if you ever got this from any of your instructors or at any time in the teams, but you know, uh, I remember one time having one of our uh, SEAL instructors. He said there were like forty of us in this class, and he said, "Hey guys," and this was when we we're getting close to the end of training. And he said, you know, he said, it's not even that, that, that we're that good. It's that everybody else sucks so much. Yeah. <laughs> and I just like, I didn't get it. I didn't get what he was trying to say at the time. It took me several years to understand what, what he was talking about. And it's not that Navy SEALs aren't good at certain things because we are. But one of the things I noticed was, is that there's so much that you have to be able to do. Yeah. So many environments that you have to be able to work in, so many disciplines that you have to, um, you know, work at that you never really get, you never really get to specialize in any one thing. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the way even a SEAL training cycle is broken up, I noticed as, as a sniper, one of my specialties, that there were times where I wouldn't shoot my gun for three and a half months. Yeah. Because, you, you, you know, it'd be a block of air week, which was two weeks or whatever, and then you'd go to mobility. You're not shooting your sniper weapon during mobility. That's, you know, that's a three-week block or whatever it is today. And then you'd go to, you know, land warfare, and that's IADs and, and all, all of these things. You're not really shooting your sniper rifle then, you know, and it was just like I started to understand what he, what he said, uh, you know, and, and, and I feel like there's, 
there's a correlation in politics and even me personally as a candidate, I don't, I know I'm not that good, man. I tell people all the time, I'm not that good. It's just, when I look across the aisle, it's some of the, the other folks that are representing us. Like, you know, I'll just, I'll just say it like Ilhan Omar, you know, uh, the squad AOC, like to me, those, th- those folks are, you know, they're, they're bad for this country. Yeah. And I mean, clearly their constituents are voting them in. So that's, you know, if that's if that's what their citizens want, then that's what they get, and and that's how this system works. But when I look at that, I'm like, Mike, I know I'm not that great, but I can't do any worse than these guys over yeah. here. <laughs> and so, and I think yeah. that I think it's important that as a candidate, you know, who might end up doing this job, that you 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 keep that level of humbleness and realism, and understand that you're not God's gift to anything, but yeah. you're just a you're a concerned dad, a concerned citizen, and you're like, hey, man, I, I may, I'm may i far from perfect, but if you guys think I'm qualified and worthy, I'll go, and I will represent you the best I can. And, and that's all you can do, Yeah, right? No, I agree. And, I mean, it's re- it's absolutely refreshing to hear you say that because one of the things I actually talk about it in uh, in this book that I just wrote, um, aptly titled Unfuck America, which I think is the common goal for both of us, but um, is that – one of the big problems with politics is that it's turned into, you know, far beyond a popularity contest. You know, it's always kind of been that way, but now with, with social media being what it is and people's profiles and personalities being being what they're most known for as a politician is they're following on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. And, and a lot of the little trick fuck memes and, and uh, you know, jokes and um, jabs and just kind of the same shit that you see on there basically um you know i think that's a huge problem is that a lot of our politicians and some of them haven't been politicians that long who are you know supposed to be representatives kind of have it backwards you know it's like they they get into this entitled feeling of 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 a position where you know they they think that it's like i'm telling my constituents how the cow eats the cabbage. They're, they're not telling me what's up. I'm, I'm giving it to them how, how it needs to be. And I think right. that that coupled with just that kind of ego driven rock star kind of mentality, uh, is, is fucking poisonous and it, and it's really ruining it. And I didn't think it could get ruined much more than it is. And, and it seems like it continues to, to go downhill year after year. Do you, do you see that same kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, uh, I think, I think ego, plays a lot into that. I think pride plays a lot into that. Um, and I also think not having term limits plays into that a lot. Yeah. I think that if we actually had individuals that were willing to go, you know, for um, a, a more reasonable lim- limit of time, like say whether you have, you have a lot of individuals that have been in Congress or at, you know, in public service for 30, 40 years, like if you had like a more reasonable, I think, uh, limit of time, whether it was 10 or 12 years, you know, something like that. And people actually knew that they were going to be going, this wasn't forever. And my, my goal isn't to continue to, um, establish my position here, but I'm going to be going back and living amongst these folks. I think that you would see a lot less of that. Yeah. I could be wrong, but you know, no, I, yeah, I think so too. I, one of the things that I have written down is, is term limits is that, 
you know, the, the tricky part, I think, is that you, you kind of see that in the military in some positions where there's too fast of a turnover. Yep. You know, like, a, a, you know, like to me, one term or even two is probably too few. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know what it, what makes sense. Was it 10 years, 12 years, 15, 8? I, I don't know. You know, I don't know if you have a kind of a thought process on that. Obviously, you're, you're also not there yet. Exactly. Uh, you know, ho- hopefully you will be there. And, and you know, to me, I, I would love to, to have you come back like a year after you've, you've been there and, and actually give us a peek behind the curtain to a certain extent. I, I will say, like of, of all the other guys that I've known, uh, pretty much all of them have been invited and none of them have come back. Yeah. You know, and, and to me, if there's one thing that people want to fucking That's see. That's because you swear way too much, bro. I do? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt well, it. Well, I tell you what, dude, I'll make you a deal right now. Yeah. Um, I will come back, but here's the, here's the kicker. I got to drive that McLaren. Absolutely. hundred percent. You, you won't even have it. I guarantee you by that <laughs> Probably time. Probably not. But whatever. Yeah, yeah, how, yeah. how about this? Whatever, whatever you I have, have, I have, get to come drive deal. it. If, if we can videotape it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, that'd be, that'd yeah, be absolutely sweet, Fucking A. Let's, that's, well, you have a deal. Because to this point, the fastest car, I have a Z01 Camaro, which is a, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a muscle oh, car. A it's pretty quick, but yeah. um, my, a friend of mine, uh, Andy has a GTR. Oh yeah. And it's, it's a pretty quick car, but yeah. So it's know. probably all souped up with a bunch of aftermarket. Yeah, because he's a he owns a company called Steel Racing, and so he makes all the little um, fans that like cool off brakes and stuff for like yeah. NASCAR, yeah. Baja. I mean, this guy, I love tilt, this huh? dude. He's a he's a yeah. he's a good dude. And just awesome. the fact that it'll let me drive his cars, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's I'm good like, shit. Really cool. Um, but yeah, you know, so I guess my point in bringing that up is that you know, if there's one thing that I think a lot of people want is that that same guy that was running, yep. you know, that, that had his hand out saying, Hey, I need your support is to be that same fucking guy once they're actually in there. And, and basically none of them are, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, I, I'm here now. I don't need you for another four years. And then when I do, you know, it's stump speech after stump speech. And, and it's all this like keyhole manufactured cookie cutter bullshit yeah. that, that everybody's like, yeah, it's the same whore in a different dress. It's, it's all the same dumb shit. And, uh, and, 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 you know, people are, are largely tired of it, you know, so. Yeah, and uh, look, I'll just go into it and talk a little bit about that. And, and just some of, you and I were talking before we even started about a little bit of that. But, um, so I think a lot of it, a lot of why you see that dynamic, um, and I think some of it is what you're talking about as far as, hey, I'll, <clears throat> I'll come back and call you, Mike, when I need you type deal. But I think some of it, too, is like I was telling you that, you know, as as you get closer and closer to actually getting this job, there's more and more people playing the I got you game. And they're recording you with devices in their pockets or they'll be recording you with their cell phone while you're giving a speech. And then they'll like this happened to me this week. You know, somebody. uh, I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast with first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. Was uh, at an event that I was doing up in uh, Springerville, Arizona, and this gal, she, you know, she was recording me with her phone on the table and she 
took a 13 second clip of a 30 minute stump speech that I gave. And, uh, you know, it it was clearly wasn't the best sounding clip and she did it on purpose because she took it completely out of context. And then she posted that online and now it's, this is who, this is who I am type deal. And so I think, you know, and you'll, you'll appreciate this, Mike, as a businessman, attorneys and lawyers, they're, their job is to advise you to keep you out of as much trouble as possible. Like if you, Mike, if, if you went and you know, the deal, like I, sometimes when I call my, my business attorney and I'm like, Hey, I'm, I have this situation. I'm thinking about doing X, Y, and Z. What, what's your guidance? What's your counsel? A lot of time they'll give you their default is to give you the counsel that mitigates the most risk. Yeah. And in politics and in campaigning, what you have the same type of thing, but, they're called campaign consultants and advisors and attorneys and so on and so forth. And so what a lot of these folks, well, a lot of these folks, I think what happens with a lot of them is they're doing this and then they have these folks in their ear who have seen how, you know, these little snippets, these tidbits go viral. And then it's a CNN headline and it's Mike Ritland, you know, is this monster over here. And so, you know, it just, it comes down to like, how much do you care how much how much are you how much are you willing to expend to be authentic because you know that it's going to so much is going to be taken out of context and it's like i think some people just get tired of you know some people just get tired of uh these little gotcha games and they get tired of you know the memes and the headlines when stuff is taken out of context and so they're like i'm not going to do that crap anymore i'm just going to I'm just going to make sure that my constituents are taken care of. I'm going to do everything I can to, you know, help them out. And I'm going to focus my time and energy on legislation that I think is going to, you know, improve people's lives. And so a lot of it has to do with how many, how many arrows, how many shots are you willing to take before you alter course? Or are you, do you just, are you just that guy that's going to be like, I really don't care, man. You guys can say whatever you want about me. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep doing the long form podcast. And if you guys want to take what I say out of context and blast me on it, that's a, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I certainly can understand and appreciate that. I mean, you know, just doing what I do, I've run into that on a much, much smaller scale, obviously. But, um, so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm completely sympathetic to that. I guess the, you know, the thing where, where it kind of falls on one side of the fence or the other for me is that, you know, if, if, if the drive and goal is to be a public servant and to, you know, to go to Washington and serve your country, that, that to me is, is different than really everything else, you know, whether it's owning a business or being, you know, popular on social media for whatever the reason, uh, you know, or what have you. And so, um, you know, there's been, you know, people that have asked if I've ever thought about it and and kind of for that reason, I'm like, no, I, I wouldn't want to put, my family through that. Like it's hard enough just in, in what I do with the podcast and, and some of the things that I have on social media navigating that, you know, why would I want to bring, bring more onto it? So I, I, I certainly understand that. And, yeah. and, and even given the fact that it's like, Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm rogering up to serve my country. There, there's still only so, so many times you want to get kicked in the nuts, uh, yeah. you know, before it's just like, dude, what, why am I doing this? You know? So I, I, I can appreciate that. I guess that, you know, for me, I just, I wish that there was, you know, I'm not saying do every, every single opportunity, but there are some that I think, and, and I'll use my show as an example that, that you could come on. And this is for, for any, you know, former team guys that are now politicians or, or other people that I've known in that space, you know, that I, I would hope that they, they know that 
they could come here and and uh, and it would at least be fair, you know. And and I'm not I'm, I'm not looking to trick anybody or uh, or you know for that matter even post things that uh, you know that are going to make them look bad on purpose, you know. Like that, that that's not something I, I would ever do. But um, so it just it would be nice to have kind of that connection back to um, you know yep. the the grassroots part of, of kind of what got them. I'll there. definitely come to your show, man. Yeah, and well, if I don't, you can. You can join in the chorus. I'll throw I'll throw you, this clip you could, out of you context. You can start you can start lobbing stuff yeah. at me online as well, but it's all good, man. I'll come to your show, but I I mean it. I'm driving yeah, uh, McLaren, whatever you have, dude. No, count on it. It's it's, it's a deal. All right. Um, so I, I am curious, just like kind of a brief synopsis on how, how does the whole process work as far as like when you say, okay, I'm gonna run. What is what are the next steps that, that get you to the point where you're legitimately a candidate? <clears throat> yeah. So you. you you, you definitely you file you file some paperwork um, like I said you you announce and then uh, you know you you start you start fundraising at at that, at that point do you have like an advisor that's helping you along the way and all you don't you don't have to but you know in in my case uh, in my case we did yeah and so that's been one of the blessings for me is that uh, you know I have some folks that this isn't their first rodeo that, um, you know, have been, have been willing to, uh, come alongside me and help guide me through this, you know, this, uh, pretty wild new chapter in my life. But, um, yeah, it's, it's like a lot of things, you know, there's the administrative paperwork, there's the filing, you know, um, of your candidacy and, and then you start building out your team. I wanted to talk about something that, um, is definitely strikes a chord with me personally, and that's the opioid epidemic that seems to plague, uh, especially our veterans, first responders, uh, due to injuries, illness, et cetera, uh, and a, a viable alternative. Uh, I've recently started working with a company called Super Speciosa that does a, a Kratom uh, product. They have uh, capsules, they have tea bags, they have straight powder, um, and it's something that you know is all natural and, and is a, a viable and useful alternative to a lot of the problematic big pharma medications that get thrown out there. I'm a huge proponent of it. Uh, I am a big fan of it and user of it. Uh, if you don't know what Kratom is, it's an, an ancient kind of super leaf that comes from deep uh, within the jungles of Southeast Asia. <clears throat> uh, farmers there in, in society, culture, etc. Have, have used it for hundreds of years. It's you know, for sure a tried and true product. Um, the benefits are, are numerous. Um, you know, in terms of gaining energy, staying focused, cognitive, et cetera, uh, it works uh, very, very effectively as a pre-workout that doesn't have any chemicals or additives uh, like most other supplements. It doesn't have vasoconstrictors that are going to screw with your blood pressure and, and things like that. Uh, but they also have um, strains that you can use to relax and feel better and, and help with, uh, you know, joint pain or pain management or uh, even depression. Um, it's been shown in... in proven to improve your mood. Uh, it's a much healthier way to unwind. Um, and you can, you can actually feel it working in your body. Uh, again, it's really versatile. Each strain has uh, different alkaloid levels. Some are, are for relaxation, some are for energy. Uh, it can be taken many different ways. Uh, it's absolutely the highest quality. It's a top 1% of Kratom products uh, that are produced in the world uh, and has some of the highest alkaloid levels in the industry. There's only one ingredient, and that's pure kratom leaf. It's rigorously tested for purity and safety. 
um, the offer um, in, in working with them is pretty significant. They want uh, you to be able to try this super leaf uh, to a, a high level and, and have offered 20% off. If you go to superleaf.com forward slash mic drop and use the promo code mic drop, all one word, to get that 20% off. Again, that's getsuperleaf.com forward slash mic drop, 20% off for the promo code mic drop, all one word. Uh, I love this stuff. Um, I'm stoked that it's a much healthier and, and more beneficial alternative to all the different uh, pain meds that, that get thrown out there or the gnarly pre-workouts that uh, have tons of caffeine and, and other stuff that, that jack uh, different senses up in your body. And, and this uh, is, a, is a really, really great and healthy alternative. So I encourage you to check it out. That is getsuperleaf.com forward slash mic drop. Yeah. Has it, uh, has, have there been any issues along the way that caught you totally off guard during that process that you weren't expecting or that were, you know, that you're just like, holy shit, wait, what, what do I have to do? Like, was there any of that kind of, um, you know, I, I don't think there's anything that's caught us totally off guard. Yeah. You know, I, I think the, one of the only things that has really surprised me is, uh, um, how badly some people really want to do this to the point where it's like, you know, it, it's almost like scorched earth where um, you'll have people that almost, you know, that will become opponents um, of yours that almost have this, hey, it's my time, Mike, step back, bro. It's this, this is my time. Yeah. And I don't, you know, it's like, uh, it's interesting, man. I'm, I'm probably one of the only candidates that actually, when I do my little stump speech or what presentation, whatever you want to call it, I actually read the names of my opponents, you know? Um, and I, I strongly suggest that, you know, whoever I'm speaking to go look these folks up, um, learn, learn about them and then, you know, vote however you see fit, because I think one of the, there's, there's obviously a lot of problems uh, in America and even with how we, with how we elect people. And one of the, one of them is that as voters, we're pretty complacent. We're pretty lazy. Yeah. We don't even like, it's like we're so busy in our lives that if, you know, if, if we see a commercial of somebody and it sounds like they have a relatively decent story, you know, that that's probably good enough. So we look at, we, we, we judge a lot of our candidates on a surfacey level. Yeah. Instead of actually going and learning about them. And so that's part, that's, that's a part of this two-sided coin. But the other part of the two-sided coin is when you get into this world, um, you know, and it drives a, a lot of folks crazy that I, even on my own team that I do this, but um, it, so much of this is about name ID. So you're not supposed to raise your opponent's name ID, right? You're definitely not supposed to mention their name as little as possible. And so, um, but that's that's part of the problem as well. Like if if you had if you had more um, educated constituents or voters, and you had candidates that were willing to be more transparent and be like, "Hey, these are your choices. I respect you enough to make the best decision possible, and I would actually rather lose." Um, but you guys feel like you had the the most knowledge to make the best choice so that you could get the best representation possible, mm-hmm. and that's the way I look at this, man. Because and it. Because I never wanted to do this job, Mike, there's a freedom in that, man. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I might have said this the first time 
you know, I, I don't remember how much we got into it. It's been a while since, since uh, we, you and I did that first podcast, but one of, you know, when you go through anything, whether it's SEAL training or starting a business or, you know, even running for office, you know, you kind of form a couple mantras that you just go back to on a daily basis. And one of mine has been, Eli, do not focus on the outcome. Do not focus on the outcome. Focus on your posture today in, in the here and now, because if you start, what happens, especially with candidates, when they start focusing on the outcome and winning, I got to win, I got to win, I got to win. Then your posture becomes, I got to do whatever it takes to win. And that's what, that's what happens. And it's like, if, if, if once you develop that posture of I'm solely outcome driven and don't get me wrong, I understand why people are solely outcome driven, especially in politics when so many people put their blood, sweat and tears and money and investment behind it. But um, like I said, then you just start, that becomes your sole focus and you, you know, you don't, you quit caring as much about the constituents and whether or not they, you know, they get the best representation possible, you know? And so for me, it's kind of a freeing thing. It's like, look, Hey, these are, these are the candidates. Um, these are the guys running against me and I trust you enough to make the, you know, the right call. And if, 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 even if that's not me, I'm okay with that. Yeah. The one thing I wasn't okay with Mike was sitting on my tail and just complaining about it. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it's, it's like I said, it, it's again, something that's refre- really refreshing to hear because I, I think you're, you're spot on there is that so many of these people that run for office, it's kind of a burn your bridge moment or burn the boats moment rather where, um, you know, in, in essence, if this doesn't work out, what the fuck am I going to do? You know, yeah. and, and to me, like, I, th- I think that's a crucial component to being a, a successful politician where you're not running because you need the job. No, you're running because you, you want to, to do something about the state of affairs that our country is in. And, and I think too many people see that as a, a meal ticket. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, fuck once I'm in, you know, then my portfolio is 10 X in four years. And, you know, I've got a, a fucking sweet gig for the rest of my life and I, I'm on easy street yeah. financially. Your attention is precious. Hold in a million directions for a million different reasons. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina works hard to make sure your health insurance isn't one of the many things distracting you from what's important. By making healthcare easier to navigate, we help keep your focus on the moments that matter most. Like dinner with loved ones. Letting you focus on you. That's the benefit of blue. Learn more at benefitofbluesc.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, and you know that that I don't think I don't think there could be a, a shittier reason to get into politics than that. You know, so yeah. Um, I, you know, I've got a couple of ideas on you know from a campaign finance reform and and even from an election reform standpoint that uh that i'd love to throw your way to to you know get your take on it i've talked i talk about it in my book and i've talked about it with a couple of other uh, guests over the last few months but you know to me one of the big problems with 
with elections, generally speaking, is is the influence. You know, in every other country, it's called bribery. Here, it's called lobbying. And there's such a, a big influence. And I'm not naive to the fact of why it is the way that it is. Uh, you know, I, I do know how the world works, having owned my own business and and such for, for a number of years. However, um, you know, that that's where the water gets muddy um, and decisions start being made, not because it's the best decision, but because... Well, I, I'm beholden to this guy because he did this for me, you know. And it just turns into the good old boy, uh, you know, rubbing elbows network. And so my thoughts were, having been a, a grand juror uh, on a couple different occasions uh, in the county where my facility is located, the way that they selected that make makes a lot of sense. I think for national level um, Congress. Um, it wouldn't work for president or for some of the higher things, but I, and this is going to be a long winded uh, explanation. So bear with me, but you know, of the three branches of government, I think uh, the legislative branch honestly is the most powerful because everything has to basically go through there. The Supreme, you know, the judicial branch isn't the judicial branch without the vetting of, of the legislative branch president. Similarly, there are a lot of powers that are, uh, of a veto authority on on the legislative side and and you know they're kind of the gatekeeper of the other two branches more so than the other two are of it the to me the the beauty and the genius behind that uh, whether it was initially intended or not I'm assuming it was is that you know that that's the most representation nationally of the entire country you know so if if the collective mean average of everybody who's representing the entire population, doesn't like this Supreme Court justice, well, then it's, it's best that they're not on, on the, uh, in that seat. Same thing with the president. And so to me, if you go about the election process in a manner where, um, similarly to the grand jury system where, you know, you essentially take each region, how, however it's broken up into region, and there's a, a, a basic checklist of, of a net positive citizen, right? You so see, you're, you're basically, a, you know, you're up to date on your taxes. You're not a felon. Uh, you know, you've lived there for a certain amount of time, you know, you're, you're just a net positive citizen, uh, is that they're solicited to give a short list of names of the people that they would want representing them as a congressman in that area. And and once all of those names are submitted, who, whoever has the most votes is the congressman for that for that area, right? So you immediately get rid of, of the finance aspect because it doesn't matter. You, you immediately get rid of the, if, if you put me in here, I'll do this for you because, you know, you own this construction company. And, and if you get me in, I'll hook your brother up because, you know, all of that type of shit that, that seems to run rampant with earmarks and what have you. But, uh, but each, each Congress seat at that point is, and just like with jury duty, you don't get a choice is that if there's that many people in that County or region or, or whatever the, uh, that, uh, sector is for that seat, decide that Eli Crane is the fucking guy that I want doing it. Yeah. You're, you're the one doing it. Is that perfect? No. Are there going to be uh, challenges for sure? But I think at this point, like our system seems so fucked up to where it's going to take some sort of huge reset button hit or, or big overhaul to get rid of all of the, uh, the intricacies of corruption. Because to me, to, to try to get you guys once you're there to vet it, and I'm not, you know, picking on you. I'm just saying, you know, congressmen in general, it, it's like asking the fox to audit himself in the hen house. Like, of, of course, they're not going to change right. things that are hugely beneficial to them. So, um, it, you know, it was an idea that I had that seemed to me seems like it makes sense. I'm curious to get your take on that. 
Well, it is. It would be interesting um, to kind of you know chalkboard that and look at pros and cons. I will tell you, as you were talking, there's one thing that you know. Um, just because I understand that, like almost any system is corruptible, and obviously it comes down to a risk mitigation thing. Like for instance, in in the in in the example you just brought up, if I'm if I'm still an influential guy that really really wants to be a congressman in your system, right? All I'm in, all I'm going to do at that point is I'm just going to call the influencers or the citizens that you were talking about um, that have a chance to submit the name, and I'll be like, hey, Mike, here's the deal. You take care. You take care of me. You write my name on that list. I got you, bro. I'm going to yeah. take care of you. And so, you know, I don't know if it would be less corrupt or less um, or a better system than the one we have now. I, you know, I would be interested to just have um, get in a room with smarter individuals than myself, and all of us just throw darts at it and you know see see what comes of it. You know, that's usually my, in my decision-making loop is, you know, hey, you know, think about these things, tear it apart, try and rebuild it back together, bring others into it. But, you know, I could, you know, I, I see what you're saying in that um, instead of having an individual go around and do the stump speeches and raise all the money and then um, the individuals get to pick from like five or six people, it, it, it sounds like in the system you're proposing they would get the opportunity to just, you know, um, submit names of even people that, you know, aren't necessarily running for Congress. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Cause I mean, that, that is how that works is that, you know, like I'll use me as an example. I'm, I'm standing in my driveway working with a fucking dog one day and the constable shows up and hands me, uh, you know, papers that says, Hey, you've, you've been selected for grand jury duty for the right. next six months. You know, you, you don't have a choice. Like this is part of your civic fucking duty. Right. And, uh, and I had to go do it and that's how they do it, you know? And so to me, while yes, I can see, you know, could there be still people influencing? Of course. I mean, that, that's always the case. I guess the, the, th the benefit that I see in doing it that way is there's way more people that you have to try to grease to get, you know, you know, there's way less bang for your buck in getting an influencer or, or whatever is right. that, you know, if you've got somebody that donates $20 million and his brother owns the highway construction company or, yeah. or one construction company that's going to get this $300 million road rebuild project. If you get elected, th that's way more fucking tangible bang for your buck. One person that I'm having to, to strike a deal with. Whereas right. I, mean, I can tell you from having run social media campaigns, both as a, an influencer and, you know, uh, doing it on the reverse side is, is that it's very limited impact with that. You know, there, there's, there's not a lot of true influence that way when it's manufactured, you know, right. but how would you solve the problem of, cause we just talked about this a second ago. Most people don't want to do this job Yeah, I, for, I mean, for good reason. Like, yeah. so what happens when, the, what happens when those names on the list are the majority of 99.8 nine percent of people they're like hell no I mean, i'm not to, i'm not putting my family through that yeah i mean so i mean to me that's the best person to have do that job right you know is, is the guy that doesn't want it i mean to me a a, a moderate or a, a you know a, a simple and fair means with which you compensate them you know not just salary but you know like each you could even have a, a board that says okay we're, we're going to evaluate whoever is nominated okay here's your situation here's what we're going to do for you so that you're not fucking them over by saying, hey, you're the next congressman, you know. Could there be exceptions with, um, 
you know, the same way in jury do like, Hey, my, you know, I have a special needs child or I've got, you know, the, the, there's just no way I can physically do it. And, and that's why you have a list of names so that if the very top candidate, well, then you take the second, you know, if you've got at least a few choices of here's the, the top five people that were nominated by every swing and dick in the entire County or region, then now, you know, you can, you can pretty much rest assured the top 10 names are going to be good motherfuckers. If there's that many people voting for, them. right. You know, so, um, no, I think that, I mean, I think in theory you're onto something, um, but the, you know, another, uh, another, um, shot at, at this whole proposal is so basically it's for service. And what happens when that, what happens when Mike Ritland, who we all say, Hey, I think Mike would be a pretty good, uh, representative. What happens when Mike Ritland says, no, I'm not doing it. I, I love my business. I don't want to be away from my family. You're not going to make me do it. You know, so it's like, then are we forcing people, you know, to serve? Yeah. in that system, you, you would be kind of like jury duty, but would the, would the overall, would the overall state and country have better representation and be in a better place? Probably. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think they would. And I think again, just like jury duty is that, you know, there are people that, that just kind of want to get out of it, you know, that, that will yeah. do a few things to, to get out of it. And then there's people who are like, I don't want to do it, but if there's that many people that think I'm the right guy, well, fuck, I guess I'll do it then. You know? And, yeah. and to me that that's the guy you want doing it anyway, that doesn't want to do it, but is still willing to right. based on the fact that there's that many people that want him to do it. And I think that's why, again, you know, you give people say five or 10, you know, give us the five or 10 names of people that you would want doing it so that, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. So if, you know, hope in hopes that out of, out of those five or 10, you get one or two yeah. individuals to say, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. 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 Again, you know, I mean, no, I could see that. I could see that being, you know, possibly, you know, a better system than what we have now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, in, in writing the book, I did it during, uh, you know, the, the kind of early shutdown period of, of when COVID hit and, and, it, you know, 15 days turned into fucking 12 months and, and, and change. Uh, and so I, yeah, I just, I was thinking of and seeing of all the, uh, just crazy shit that was going on. But that's, that's what happens when you follow the science, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. That's right. Yeah. This week. You can't argue with science, man. (laughs) Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, all right. So that's campaign, uh, finance slash, uh, election stuff. The one thing I will kind of throw an asterisk in there is that this only works really for the house of representatives, you know, like on a national level, it's not going to work. But to me, again, I, I would, and I think it's a good kind of springboard into an experiment of trying it with the House of Representatives that way, is that, you know, now you've got that most accurate representation, legitimate representation of the entire country, and then they're deciding on, you know, who sits in the Supreme Court and, uh, you know, whether or not bills are passed for, uh, you know, whether they come from the president or what have you. I just, you know, to me, it just makes sense to, to try to figure out a way to fix, uh, you know, a process that seems like every two and four years is just the same shit over and over. You know, it's people doing the, the Bill Clinton thumb, like I'm here to, you know, cause I'm your friend, you know, and it's just like, they, they just <laughs> lie straight to your fucking face until yeah. they get in and then they're in and, and it's the same, same damn thing over right. and over. Uh, what do you think about Elon Musk buying Twitter? You know, my initial reaction, uh, my initial reaction was like, you know, pretty celebratory to be honest, man. I was, and, and I think at the baseline, it's hard for me to even see how, I guess it could, but, um, I don't know how much worse that platform, you know, could have got, 
Yeah. I think it's like kind of the cesspool of humanity. Yep. I mean, you you and I were talking about it before we started recording and just how um, inhumane people are on these social yeah. media platforms. And I think Twitter's probably the worst yeah. in, in my experience anyway. I try and stay off of there as much as possible. Um, but, you know, I was pretty stoked when I, when I saw it going down just because, um, and I'm not a fan of like everything that Elon Musk, you know, stands for, but I will say, you know, he's got me, at least me convinced that he really does. Uh, he, he really does care about free speech. And so, um, he's also, he's a disruptor. He's an innovator. I think he's the, you know, the rare type of combination combination of individual that could, you know, um, give that platform a, a freedom facelift, if you will. And, yeah. and that'd be, you know, that'd be, that'd be really helpful. I, I think in so many ways and just, um, making sure that one side doesn't have um, an, a monopoly on the narrative while the other side completely gets either canceled or, or pushed out or feels like they have to go build their own system where they get a, get a fair shake. Yeah. Um, and then also we're talking about campaigns. Um, a lot of people believe that if Twitter and the tech giants witness, you know, stymied or um, canceled the, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story prior to the election in 2020 that Joe Biden would not be president yeah, today. It, it, it's hard to think otherwise. Yeah, I know? think I mean, some of the polling showed that like 17 or 20 percent of Democrats and independents that voted for him said that they wouldn't have had they known about that story. So, yeah, yeah. and I mean, it's it's hard to see you know how people how people would. I mean that you know a lot of the stuff contained in that. And I, I don't think we know the full extent of everything yeah. that was contained or is contained in that hard drive. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before Sarah discovered ChumbaCasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot. And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah. Woo! Often thinks about the old boring Sarah yes. and wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. Chumba Casino has over a hundred casino style games, so join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And that and that computer, but um, some of the some of the corruption that was going on. Yeah. You know, using the family um, to enrich himself. Um, you know, is, uh, it may, I mean, it's kind of sad that we're at this place in 2022, but, um, I would love to see more of our social media platforms be, um, led by individuals that are really all about free speech. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I have another idea that, uh, that I want to throw at you in terms of social media since we're talking about it. Uh, but I guess before I, share my thought on that is that I, I agree a hundred percent. Like to me, Elon buying it, I think is, is really uh, net positive. And I think you can tell by 
you know, some of the statements he's made of like, you know, financially, this is going to be a big hit. Uh, this is not going to be easy. You know, like he knows enough to know that what he's doing, it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be easy. He's, he's already taken a lot of hits. It, it would have been easy for him to just still be the, the richest guy in the world running Tesla that, you know, most of the people that now hate him for buying Twitter, you know, are huge Tesla fans. They all drive him. They all kind of stroke his ego that way, uh, you know, in, in doing so. And, and uh, it would have been a lot easier for him to just keep riding that, that train. You know, I mean, he obviously doesn't need another dime and, right. and almost couldn't spend the amount of money that he has uh, in his life reasonably. And so, um, you know, I, I do agree with you 100 percent that, you know, him buying that, I, I think, you know, is an alternative to the idea that I have. It's just you're you're, you're relying on, you know, people to, to all be that way, whereas most people that have that kind of money want to, to keep that kind of money and they're doing it for the money. I mean, you can tell, by the way, that, that the way that he lives, he doesn't give a fuck about money. You know, I mean, yes, he, he spends a lot of money on extravagant trips and stuff like that. But like, I mean, he sold all of his houses. I mean, he lives in a very modest place. Like, I mean, he, he is very outside the, the norm as it relates to people that are, you know, multi-billionaires that way. And, uh, and you can tell by, by so many of the things that he, that he does, but the, the social media idea that I had that I'd love for, if you get in that position to, to try to bring up is that I know you and I are very, uh, on the same sheet of music as it relates to not wanting the government to be any more involved than they need to be. Right. Um, but what I will say is just like with driver's licenses and, and certain, uh, you know, whether it's uh, substances or, um, you know, mechanisms with, within the government that does make sense, uh, whether it's maintaining roads, I mean, you name it. I do think there are some things that the government should uh, should be involved in. And, and based off of the research now that the Internet and social media platforms have been around long enough to see the result of kids who have grown up with them, uh, just how incredibly fucking dangerous and toxic social media is for young kids, is that to me, uh, I would treat it no different than a driver's license. Uh, in that, you know, the, the, uh, the Internet is... I would argue in, in many ways more dangerous than the interstate that way uh, in, in terms of, of the impacts that it can have, especially on kids. And so um, piggybacking off of the driver's license idea is that children are not allowed to have social media profiles. Uh, and, and in fact, everybody has to be verified the same way that you are a driver's license. And you can use the same number, you can use the same uh photo ID uh, or the, the, the ID photo rather. And so when you turn 16 or if you know, you're older or whatever is that your social media uh, profile ID number is the same as your driver's license. It has the same picture and you're verified through every single social media platform. So now there are no troll accounts. There's no bot accounts. There's no, there are, I mean, are there still going to be ways? I mean, yes, people still get fake IDs and whatever, but not on a mass scale. It's going to be very difficult to do that. And, and so Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, uh, all of them, when, when you sign up for an account, you have to prove this is me, here's my ID, and, and now you have a blue check mark, and, and it's that photo. You can't change it. It's your real fucking name. And now anytime you want to run your mouth, everybody knows exactly who the fuck you are. Right. And you can't do that until you're 16. And no different than if I let my you know, nine-year-old drive my car, I'm breaking the fucking law. If I hand my nine-year-old my phone on Instagram and, and now they're using my profile at a minimum, they don't have their own, but they're not allowed on there until they're 16, period, on any of them. 
you know, to me, that, that cuts so much of the bullshit that is so poisonous and toxic, both with adults and especially children, whether it's being groomed on the internet, sex trafficking wise, whether it's the cyberbullying that, that, you know, has skyrocketed fucking children's suicide to a, to a disgusting fucking level at this point. Uh, and just all of the vitriol and the keyboard warriors that run their fucking mouth with zero consequence is it gets rid of almost all of that. Yeah. Um, and, and to me, it just seems like a very common sense, not that difficult to implement. And even if it is, I mean, it's going to be the, the heaviest lift on these social media companies, but fuck them. You know, I, I think, you know, the least they could do with, you know, seeing all the things that are coming out with the studies on Facebook and, and how they knew what they were doing and did it anyway. And, and some of the, the Snapchat engineers of using dopamine and, and, and the same mechanisms that receptors in your brain use on, on being addicted to drugs use to get kids to fucking continue to use their product over and over. The least they could fucking do is, is do something like that to, to regulate it. Well, I'd say at the very least, I really, I really like the idea, you know, and you did allude to something <clears throat> when you opened up that thought process in that you and I both want the government to stay as much out of our lives as possible. Yeah. And typically I think guys like us tend to be, um, we want we we like to deregulate things, not to regulate things. However, um, I think that I think that you're correct in sounding the alarm, and also problematically being willing to try to do something about it. And like you, Mike, I think I'd be open and enough to something like that because I see, I I think it's one of the many key pillars of why our culture and society is just crumbling. Yeah. I mean, you know, what all the pressures and just, you know, the nonsense, the toxicity that comes with social media. So that is something that I would definitely be willing to look at. And I would definitely be willing, you know, to, to hear every single side there was. Yeah. And I think that in, if you have the time, um, if you have the time and you're a good leader, you will, invite people both critics pros supporters um, detractors into the room to be like hey mike eli this is why this is a good idea no mike eli this is why this is a bad idea and so you've clearly been thinking about this idea for a long time i don't know how long you've been thinking about it this is my first time hearing about it and i i like where you're going with it um just because i i agree with you in that you know, this is this is one thing where um, I think it is extremely bad for our kids. I think it's in many ways bad for adults. However, if you're an adult and you wanna you wanna sit in your your lazy boy chair and eat cheesy poofs and you know forty ounce sodas all day, that's that's your call. You yeah. know, but when it comes to kids, like there's a difference. You know. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of rules that already exist that make sense that I think most sensible, decent people are okay with yeah. and, and endorse. You know, uh, driving, voting, drugs, alcohol. You know, drugs. I mean, from a prescription drug standpoint, there's a reason certain things aren't allowed to, to, for kids to have until they're a certain age because their brain is is X. Um, you know, drinking, um, smoking, fucking. You know, th there are a lot of things that we're okay with not allowing kids to to partake in because we we know that while yes this is supposed to be a, a 
you know, a free country, there are certain things that it doesn't make sense to allow kids to have access to. Uh, and, and to me, social media has, has more than proven that it is a detriment to young kids' development to, to be exposed to that 12 fucking hours a day like a lot of them are, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I know that um, just talking to professionals in the industry that, you know, child suicides are up. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that are up. But, you know, it's interesting, Mike. I've been on this campaign trail for, I think, close to nine months now. And I hear a lot of ideas, a lot of ideas from people. You know, I'll be honest, you know, some of them, you know, I think are pretty outlandish, crazy. Some of them are decent. I think that's one of the better ideas I've heard, honestly. Awesome. Just because, I mean, and, and like I said, I would be... Um, I would be interested to hear what your viewers have to say about that. Yeah, and and just tear it apart, rebuild it. Yeah, how, how like how do how do we how do we protect our kids, you know, from like things that you were talking about, a, a system that's designed, you know, kind of like a casino to keep them trapped yeah. within it, to keep those dopamine levels up, um, but how a system that. You know, I, I don't I don't know that there are many honest studies that would show are, are good for their development overall. Yeah. No, none of it. I mean, and, and to me, the why I think it makes sense for a number of reasons to do 16 uh, is that one, you know, it's the same age for driving. And I think there's a, a parallel in terms of the level of, of mental responsibility and maturity that is required to operate a, ve- a moving vehicle on your own. Same thing of, of navigating the Internet is by the time they're that age, most kids are capable of, of having a, a certain level of responsibility far more than they are even two years younger than that, especially three, four, five, six years younger than that. Uh, but the other thing with that is that just like with a driver's license or the driving experience is that you've got two years of, of access to and the ability to engage in while still being under the, the wings and tutelage of parents. Right. You know, so it's not because I, I wouldn't say wait until they're 18 because then you have the the Amish kid going to Manhattan, uh, you know, experience where the kid loses their fucking mind because they've never been on social media. And now they're out of their parents' house. They can vote. They can tell them to fuck off. They can leave, whatever. And now they also have full access to, to all these social media platforms is that you've got that that two-year kind of apprenticeship window, if you will, of, of understanding how to navigate that, that you can... You can go to your parents and, and you know, they, they can see, okay, now that they have uh, access to this, I'm seeing this downturn or whatever because they're still still in their house and, and, and you can still keep an eye on them. I, I think, you know, again, and to just piggyback it onto that, it, it, it makes it as simple as you can make it, you know, in terms of not adding so much bullshit to the to the government's plate and to these companies' plate to where you can just integrate it where it's all, all the same fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, to me, it just it just makes good sense. But uh, as a dad and seeing, you know, my kids and, and their friends and the impacts that some of this stuff has on them, I, I see it firsthand. And, and that's kind of where, where the idea came from. It's like, you know, there's all these other mechanisms that we put in place to, to protect our kids from things that are uh, obviously harmful to them at, at certain ages. Why are, why are we not doing it with this under the guise of, well, free speech? It's like, well, you know, okay, it's, it's a free country. Why don't you let your kids drink fucking booze when they're five? Well, there's a reason, yep. you know? So um, anyway. This episode is brought to you by Eurooptic.com. Now, if you haven't heard of these guys yet, Eurooptic is an online retailer of optics, firearms, hunting apparel, and outdoor gear. 
They carry all the major brands that we all know and love like Vortex, Swarovski, Night Force, Leupold, Sitka Hunting Gear, uh, Beretta CZ, and lots more. Europtic is a veteran-owned company based in central Pennsylvania. Their team of customer service reps are the best in the industry. They're all hunters, shooters, and outdoor enthusiasts, so they have the first-hand knowledge of the gear that they offer. I'm telling you, nobody knows more than these guys. If you're familiar with Eurooptic, then you already know they have faster shipping than anyone else. With their red shipping, you will get your purchase shipped the same day, and it will be on your doorstep in one to two days for free. Just look for the red logo on most of their stuff. Since these folks are supporting us, we'd like to support them. So head on over to eurooptic.com forward slash mic drop, all one word, to see everything that they have to offer. Again, that's www.eurooptic.com forward slash mic drop. And I, yeah, I think that brings up a good point. I think, I think a lot of it too comes down to before Sarah discovered ChumbaCasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot. And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah Woo-hoo! often thinks about the old boring Sarah. Yes. And wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. Chumba Casino has over 100 casino-style games. So join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. We were created by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Being a good parent. Yeah. Like, you know, I think when a lot of times as a parent, you feel torn and, you know, between, between doing what you feel what's right for your kid and not wanting to, not wanting to fight with them, right? Yeah. And so it's like, uh, I think that that is something that I would definitely be willing to consider. And I think it, you know, initially off the bat, I don't really see any downside to it. But um, I think one one way, you know, without the government or the tech, you know, gurus and giants getting involved in the regulating of these platforms. And unfortunately, a lot of kids don't have good parents. They just don't. But you know, if, if more of us as parents stepped up and just said, Hey, I don't really care. You know, I don't, you're not going to, you're not going to have a social media. You're not going to have be on social media until you're 16 or or whatever the rule in the house is. You know, I think that, um, we would do a much better job of protecting our kids. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple, couple of of additions to that is that, you know, it's easy to, to take or remove that being the bad guy as a parent completely out of it. Right. Is it, Hey, like, just like I can't let you drink or drive my car, like honey, legally, you can't be on here. Like I'm not going to break the law and, and risk going to jail so that you can be on Facebook. Yeah. Like it's not me. Like, so, so that removes a lot of conflict between parents and into the, you know, to the other side of that. I mean, try, try giving a, a nine-year-old a smartphone with unlimited access to everything and allow them to sign up for whatever they want and, and give them two years. Right. So now they're 11 and then take that phone from them and see what happens. 
yeah. right? Is is that kid is going to act like like a heroin addict yeah. that you just took their fucking supply away from? I mean, I, I've I've yeah. seen it. Like they, they yeah. fucking melt down and and have withdrawals and lose their fucking mind, right. which tells you everything you need to know about that dopamine and serotonin response and how powerfully addictive social media is to young kids as they're growing up. I mean, it's fucking terrible. Yeah. You know, so, um, and then I think lastly is, is that it on the adult side is that it, it removes so much of the, you know, you talk about, and, and it's a hotbed topic right now is, is, uh, what, what's the new department that uh, the administration is trying to come up with misinformation, misinformation, like, Good Lord. I mean, if that's not, you know, one, you know, long jump step towards tyranny, I don't know what is, but this removes that also is, is that to me, society will, will hold itself accountable better than, than the government can. So the government, I don't want them telling anybody what they can and can't say is that if, if you make sure that everybody who is on these platforms is that, that they're verified that, yeah, that's who you are and there's no bullshit accounts, guess who's not running their mouth now because there's nowhere to hide. Right. Right. I mean, it, it, it almost entirely removes the ability for, you know, people to, to just, you know, have some like V for Vendetta picture and a string of numbers as, as the name private account with three followers that was, you know, the account was created nine days ago yeah. telling you that he wants to skin your fucking kids alive in front of him or, or in front of you. Like that doesn't exist anymore, you know? So yeah. like you, you don't have to, to have all these misinformation campaigns. If, if you go about it the other direction and just make sure that everybody who's on there is who they say they are and there's nowhere for them to fucking hide. Here's the one the one hole that somebody may shoot in is okay. That's great for the United States. What about Canada? What about Europe? You know, similarly, whether it's a passport, every country institutes a national ID system of some kind. So, for for those of you, and that, that's one point that I've I've shared this idea with with people before, uh, and and that was really the only one drawback. It's like, well, what about people in like fucking South America, you know, or whatever? It's like do the same thing, or or even if if it's Twitter or whoever. They still, you know, okay, this is who you say you are. Here, here is your, uh, your identification based fucking profile number. And, and, you know, you, you vet it the same way you would a passport coming into this country. Uh, you know, to me, it's not, it's not that difficult. And I'm sure there, there is probably inherently some logistical or administrative hiccups that may come that our government should be able to sort through, you know, without too much trouble in terms of the administration, administrative, hurdle that, that might come up with something like that. But, um, anyway, anything else you want? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So guns, uh, you know, to me, Texas is a big gun state. Arizona is a big gun state in terms of friendly, just kind of the one question I know you and I are both big, uh, pro second amendment supporters, but one argument that I've seen is, is where do you draw the line in terms of what's legal versus not? And this is something that that I I will freely admit. Like sometimes I, I I wouldn't say that I question myself, but I'm not sure on in terms of at what level do you say okay that probably shouldn't be available to the public. I don't know where that line is. Sometimes sometimes it's it's further away than others. But it, my my point is is that hand grenades, explosives, tanks, sniper rifles. You know, at, at a point is there a point for you? I guess where you think. Hey, Second Amendment wise, like no, I I don't think you should be able to go buy a fucking tank. Oh, man, that's that that is a tough one. Um, you know, <clears throat> I tend to uh, you know 
I'm pretty, uh, pretty hardcore on the second amendment. Um, you know, that shall not be infringed and the right to, uh, maintain a well-regulated militia. You know, if you go look at the entirety of the second amendment, um, and I, I get why that scares the hell out of people. I get it. I totally get it. Especially li- when you live in a society where mass shootings have become, um, you know, more regular. But here's the deal. The deal, as far as, as, far as I'm concerned, one of the biggest reasons we were given that, that right is in case our government ever became tyrannical. Yeah. Okay. And so I actually, I actually wrote an article about this many years ago and the article was, I'll try and remember the name of it is basically, I, I see your AR 15 and I raise you an aircraft carrier and a predator drone. Yeah. Right. And what the article did was, and what, what I was trying to explore and take a look at is back when the second amendment was created. Okay. Back when the Second Amendment was created, you know, the the difference or the variance between what the government had weaponry wise and what the citizen had um, was pretty close. I mean, it was muskets, cannons, swords. I mean, the, those were the primary weapons. If you look at the difference and the variation now in the modern era between the weaponry that a fe- our federal government has and what the a private citizen is allowed to own, right? So you have nuclear submarines, aircraft carriers, predator drones, fighter planes, I mean, nuclear weapons. And now you have a citizen, you know, that, you know, you know, can have a, can have an assault weapon or an AR-15 <laughs> or a, a magazine, a magazine fed semi-automatic rifle. Right. And so, I think what we were trying to look at in that that piece was the variance has become much wider than it used to be. Yeah. And so you know I I wanted to, I wanted to make people think about what would it look like it, and we you just got done talking about this new misinformation you know department that you know this the Biden administration is trying to form. So and you said it yourself you see the steps, the, the long strides towards tyranny. I mean, look at, there's, there's a saying that um, every tyrant knows that all you have to do to become successful is to control the media and to disarm the populace, mm-hmm. right? And think about it. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, so it's like you were, you were just talking about, you are just talking about a misinformation czar or whatever they're going to call this individual in this department and who they're going to be going, who they're going to be going after basically people that they feel threaten their supremacy or their, their power. Right. Yeah. And so it's sad and it's unfortunate, but the very reason that the second amendment, one of the primary reasons besides being able to defend yourself, um, is getting closer and closer I think to um, being necessary. Yeah. And so when you look at that gap and how far it's widened since um, the second amendment was crafted, um, I tend to be more of a, 
less regulation on this for, for that reason, yeah. because of how far that gap has, has widened. And so I, and I understand how, um, when you, when you start really looking at that, I mean, there's serious implications to it. There are serious implications when you start, when you start going down that road. But Mike, to be honest with you, um, the way I look at it is I'm very, very against, um, could look a couple years ago, it was red flag laws. And I understood why people were talking about red flag laws. Okay. I understood the intention, the intention behind it. Some people had good intentions. I think some people that hate the fact that we have a second amendment that have always been after the second amendment, I think they see it as a way yeah. to disarm the populace. And to me, so much of the destruction of the rights and liberties that we have in this country, it hasn't been one uh, fatal blow. It's been death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. And the way I look at these issues, especially when it comes to the second amendment is if you give them a crack or if you give them an inch, they will yeah. take a mile. And you know, there are individuals out there that own tanks. Yeah. There are individuals out there that own machine guns. And most of these folks that have, have this, they're not the ones going around and, you know, uh, you know, being involved in crime because the, the amount of registration and paperwork that it even comes with getting like a SBR, a short barreled rifle or yeah. a suppressor or a machine gun, it's a ton. And you are on every, you know, every database, every radar that the government has. Yeah. And so these individuals know that and, you know, they, they're, they're not the ones typically that are out there, you know, involved in a lot of these crimes that you see going on and, and, and the chaos you know, and so for me, I, I'm very, you know, uh, I'm very uh, weary and very cautious when it comes to the government coming in and uh, regulating that, you know, the Second Amendment or, or what we what we can own. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with any of that. But and, I understand and, where, where you're coming from. Like, I don't know where that line is because you're looking at you're looking at the other side of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the questions I ask of, of many of my guests, I'd say mo most of them uh, are very devil's advocate. Uh, and, and, and in many cases, they're not positions that I even hold. Uh, yeah. you, you know, it's just to me, like, in the interest of stepping out of the echo chamber, and I know, uh, you know, it's one of the thing that, things that really drives me uh, batshit crazy about the left is is that, is, the, is there's such a vacuum in, in an echo chamber where, so many of these uh, high profile, whether it's politicians, media pundits, whatever, are never challenged on their position. You know, and, and to me, like if you can't defend your position, even against yourself, basically, if, if you're not picking it apart yourself, then, you know, how strong of a, of a position is it? And, and ultimately, how good of an idea is it really if you can't fucking defend it? You know, and, and so right. to me, I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I, I'm not a proponent of, of stomping on any second amendment rights, there are times where I'm like, fuck yeah, I don't, I don't know where that line is, uh, in terms of, you know, high explosives or fucking cannons or, you know, whatever. I mean, ultimately, like if people want stuff, they'll find a way to get it. I mean, that's, uh, you know, pretty, pretty well proven in, in every industry, whether it's drugs, guns, fucking you name it. Um, you know, and bringing up red flag laws, similarly, like I, you know, my, my position on that is, is very, um, one-sided in, in that, you know, I, I, th I think 
agreed it's a, a crack or a door opening to to erode uh, rights and, and and try to strip things away because whoever is in charge of that list uh, or, or whoever has the power and the authority to say okay this person checks these five boxes who's making that decision what are those boxes that they're checking that makes it a okay this this guy meets this criteria we're taking his guns away like who's in charge of the list who's making that decision who has the authority to to modify that right. list and it eliminates your due process yeah but but know? i think mo- you know most importantly and and to, and to simplify that as best as i can is that to me like on a on a just kind of a common sense standpoint is is we really already have that i mean imagine you have a family member that you think is so dangerous that you don't think that they should own firearms, right? If, right. if there's anybody that I know that, that they're at that level where I'm like, this dude shouldn't have that shit, I, I'm going to try to get him into a mental institution. Like, if that's the case, I don't think they should drink alcohol. I don't think they should be able to rent a fucking rider truck, you know, because who knows? You know, I mean, you, you can mow down fucking civilians at a right. at a bus stop, you know, with, with, a, uh, with a vehicle. I mean, you know, so to me, it's, you know, that, that same argument of like, it's but one tool of, of thousands to take people's lives with and, and to, to focus on that is, uh, is disingenuous. But, um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate your, your position on guns. Similarly, Texas and Arizona are both border States. Um, I, I have a feeling you and I are, are pretty, pretty similar on what we think uh, should be done with the border, but I, I would love to get a, your official position on the border. Um, and then I, I have a follow-up question, I guess, uh, after that, but, yeah, I mean, um, my official position on the border is that every country in the world has a right to their own sovereignty and to have a border yeah. where they can control what comes in and what goes out. Um, and it's disgraceful to me to see what's been going on at our border in so many, from so many different ways. It's disgraceful. It's disgraceful to see how the media you know, has perpetuated nonstop misinformation about, I mean, last year you had the border patrol agents are whipping these, which was total, total nonsense. Um, you know, these, uh, these folks, these folks coming across, coming across the border. So step one, we have to shut that border back down and make it, and I don't mean shut it back, shut it down to where there's nothing that can come in or can't go out. But right now it's, it's an open gate and it's not only an open gate, but you have the leadership on our side of that gate with a megaphone saying, Hey, come one, come all, you know, we're open for business. And it has so many, so many ramifications and implications throughout our country that are secondary and tertiary. I mean, it overwhelms our law enforcement agencies. It overwhelms um, oftentimes our hospitals for those people that live near yeah. Um, you know, for people that live near the border, they under, you know, that hospitals can't turn away, you know, people that, you know, don't have health care, aren't citizens, et cetera. Um, and sometimes as a citizen, when you have, when you're paying your taxes and you have health care and you go to take your sick kid or your, even yourself into a hospital and you can't, your wait time becomes, you know, I know people, you know, especially during COVID that waited out in the hallway for, you know, 24 hours, Yeah. you know, and so, and, and there, 
and I'm talking about ter- secondary and tertiary issues right now. I'll get to the primary ones, but even even auto insurance. Like I was blown away when I moved left the SEAL teams, moved from California to Arizona to see that that was one area where uh, my budget actually increased was on our auto insurance. We couldn't believe it. What There must be something wrong with this. We're leaving California. We're going to Arizona. How can our insurance be increasing? It's increasing because there are so many illegals driving around Arizona who don't have car insurance. And so these insurance companies, when there's a wreck, they're not covered. And so they ratchet, they jack up the rates, right? So that's a, that's a tertiary effect. Um, But, you know, when you come down to the, you know, the primary effects of what, what's coming through that border, you and I, as, uh, you know, former sheepdogs, we look at it from the perspective of, I, probably security in many ways. Yeah. All right. So you, you had, I think, it, I think last year I saw a, a study showing that there were over 20 individuals that were contacted at that border that were on the terrorist watch list. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How many, Mike, if there's 20 that got contacted, how many do you think got through? Yeah. I mean, cause I, when I talk to my buddies that are in the border patrol, yeah. they'll tell you, Hey, we maybe get 10% yeah. that it's coming through. Okay, yeah. so you got that. Then you got the cartels um, and, and all the drugs and opioids and, and fentanyl that they're bringing through, which happens to be the number one killer in this country, you know, I think between eight, the ages of like 18 and 45 or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So you've got the drugs. Then you've got, and you've got the terrorists, which I already mentioned. Then you've got the gang members, right, that come into a lot of these lower-income minority communities and, and they get involved in organized crime. Um, and, you know, in many cases, they terrorize their, these communities. All right. Um, then you have the whole sex trafficking issue that you were talking about a second ago. And, you know, you, you have all these little kids that are being trafficked, you know, through that border um, to perversion here in, here in the United States. And it's almost like the, the leadership could care less about any of it. They could care less about any of it. And it, it's to me, it's disgusting. Um, it's sad and it, and it's just, it's completely, it's completely unacceptable. And if I, and I will say this, I've said this, I've said this publicly multiple times. If I get into the house, if I, if I become a representative, I will absolutely vote to impeach Joe Biden for his dereliction of duty and his failure, his absolute failure to protect American citizens and our communities from everything that I just mentioned. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, especially when you see the bandwidth that's given via the administration on, say, COVID, right? Is that you? You nailed it. Eighteen to forty-four. The leading cause of death is yep. o, is is opioid overdose. Yeah. Right. And so ne- you never hear about that. You know, it's go get your vaccine. Shut the fuck up. If you don't, you're killing people. You know, it's like th- that's a, a not even in the top 10, but by comparison from 18 to 44. Right. right. And, and they're not talking about it. Like, you know, it's like the, just the, the obliviousness with which they navigate their day-to-day issues is And you know uh, where a lot staggering. of those chemicals for those opioids China. come from. China. Yeah, I mean, they're all coming from fucking China. Yep. I and mean, there's, there's Chinese scientists, chemists, pharmacists, you know, in Mexico helping them, you know, build all, all that shit out. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you in terms of the, uh, you gotta be out of here by noon, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm 
100% on board with you in terms of it needs to be, you know, not shut down, but, but monitored. You know, the entire thing needs to be an actual gate. Um, the big question is, and this is another thing where half devil's advocate, half I'm not sure, what is, is what do you do with the existing people who are here illegally? To me, you take, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to, um, I won't even go there until step one is complete. Yeah. I won't even go there. And and some of it's, you know, some of it's strategic, but I'm, I won't even, I won't even entertain that topic until we do the right thing and shut this border down. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like putting the, the cart before the horse. Man. Yeah. It's like, you yeah. know, it's like crawl, walk, run. It's like, Hey. Yeah, it's like it's like mopping up the uh, the flooded bathroom floor while the toilet's still overflowing. And and there you know? there won't I, I don't think there will be a uh, I don't think that I, I it's that will be one of that will be a you know clearly that's going to be a very divisive issue. You will not please everybody. You're going to piss a lot of people off no matter where you yeah. are. But for me. I won't even dis. I won't even go there or discuss it until we do the right thing. Shut that border down. Get yeah. that. Get that wall finished, and um, and and at that point we can have the conversation. So for for somebody that would say, okay, well, I'm not going to vote for you if you won't tell me what you think on this. Then don't vote for me. Don't vote for me. Yeah, yeah don't I like vote it. For me. It's it's impossible not to respect that. Yeah, I mean, um, no, I, I dig it. Um, prison reform. Uh, you know, uh, the United States is. Uh, you know, the, the leading country in the world in terms of incarceration. Uh, again, in my book, which I'm going to give you a copy, not that you probably read it, you probably wipe your ass with it. But uh, if you find time on a tour, a tour bus or on a plane ride or something, I'd, yeah. I'd love to get your take on it. But because I, I talk about all the same stuff uh, in, in there. But, um, you know, prison reform, I think, is, is a big thing in that, uh, you know, whether you bring race into it for, you know, saying that the incarceration rate is is lopsided or, uh, just the things that, that are illegal that I have a hard time thinking that they should be and people that are, are behind bars because of it. Um, what is your take on, I guess, the prison system as a whole from a 30,000-foot viewpoint? Uh, does there need to be reforms? How, how would you, let's say it's President Crane, uh, is there something that you would do or what is your take on the prison system as a whole? You know, I think that my posture on this one is one of... Uh, open-mindedness in, in, in the regard of I'm willing to listen. Okay. But here's the other thing. Um, we have seen, we, we, we've, we've seen prison reform and criminal justice reform. We've seen this, you know, it's kind of a, a trend that's flowing through the U S. Um, and I, and I think a lot of it is done with, I think some of it is done with good intention or generated with good intention, but I think that oftentimes it winds us up in a worse spot. And I'll, gi- I'll, I'll give you, you know, an example right now that, like in Arizona, one of the things in the state, state house that, you know, was going around was uh, um, eliminate cash bail, right? And I've talked to, so I talked about decision loops and de- how, how you make decisions. I think that that, you know, a lot of people focus on what's your policy, what's your policy, what's your policy. I think that that stuff's good, but I think it's equally as important when you're talking to a leader or a representative, like what's your decision-making process, Mike? How do you even, how do you even, 
Because nobody, nobody has all the answers. Yeah. Nobody does. And if you act like you do, you're full of it. Yeah. Okay. And so it's like, what I do when I hear this stuff come, come up, you and I, because of our backgrounds, we <clears throat> both have a lot of friends that are cops or agents or whatnot. I go and ask these guys about it. Yeah. I'm like, hey, what are the boots on the ground? What are the guys that do this for a living? What are they seeing? And they'll tell me, hey, most of them seem open and they'll, they'll tell you, hey, it's not a perfect system by any stretch of the imagination. And we're open to hearing ideas and we're even open to improving it. Because a lot of these guys that you talk to, they, they, don't, they don't take joy in throwing people behind bars or ruining lives or wrecking families. They don't at all. Most, most of, of them, them don't. Most of them just yeah. want to, you know, um, and obviously there's exceptions Everywhere. Yeah, there's everywhere. exception in the teams. There's yeah. exception. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's doctors that try to kill people. I yeah. Mean, yeah. There, there's no. Right. So um, what I would say is um, if you're doing it, if you're going to try and pass something, um, the solution, the quote unquote solution can't put you in a worse spot yeah. than you're already in. And that's what I'm seeing when I talk to a lot of these individuals that are sheriffs or police chiefs or whatnot, they're saying, Hey, Eli, this stuff is, it's making our, it's making our communities um, less safe actually, because a lot of people don't realize this, but you know, you, you, we think that there's a lot of guys that, you know, just get hit up for, you know, having marijuana in their pocket and then they're get hit in a slammer. Typically these guys that are, that are going away, a lot of times it's their third, fourth, fifth offense. They've been warned, you know, people in their lives are coming to them. Hey, you got to knock this off. You got to knock this off. You got to knock this off. And and they just stay, they just stay down this course. And I was talking to one sheriff just on this one issue of bail reform. I was talking to a sheriff in, in, in my neck of the woods. And this guy's a former Marine. You know, he's a Mexican American guy. Um, and uh, I was asking him, I'm like, hey, dude, what do you think about this stuff? And he's like, well, you know, and he, you could tell he was, you, you could tell, it, it, you know, his heart was open to solutions and making the system better. But he said, Eli, you know, sometimes that bail. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast. With first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained covering ufos cryptids conspiracies and the paranormal real people real encounters so come with us on the journey into the unknown ufo chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps i'll see you soon it's going to get that individual out comes from grandma you know, the only, the only member of that family that has enough money to bail the individual out. And he said, sometimes that bail is the anchor that, you know, um, makes sure that that individual shows up to court. And so he was like, you know, cause I sent him the, I sent him the bill. I was like, Hey man, do you think that this is going to make our communities safer or more dangerous? And he said, 
more dangerous. He said, I would not, I would not get behind that. Yeah. And, you know, so typically when I'm looking at issues like that, I try and, I try and have an open mind about it, but I always try and go to the professionals, the boots on the ground. And yeah. I ask, I ask questions. Yeah. Again, I, I mean, I can't tell you how refreshing it is to hear that. And I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass. It's just, there's so few guys that do that. And I agree in that going back to the border real quickly, similarly, like I don't give a fuck what Kamala Harris thinks is going to make the border safer because she doesn't fucking have any idea, Yeah, you know, and, and Frank, and to be fair, neither does anybody on the right, you know, that, that isn't day in, day out. And, and similarly, I mean, between the, the canine industry and, and living in Texas and just, you know, the networks that you and I both run around and I, I have a lot of border patrol friends and, and, uh, and, and, and such. And you know, you should think about having on your podcast. Who's that? Art Del Cueto. All right. Sounds like an, like Antonio yeah. Bandera. <laughs> Del Cueto. Sounds like a porn star. He, he's the uh, he's the vice president of the Border Patrol Union. Yeah, I'd love to have him on and, if you uh, can uh, hook yeah, us up. Man, that'd be great. I mean, that guy will be able to you yeah. know uh, talk. You guys can have a, a yeah. insane conversation about. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to have him on. But I guess my, my point is is that you know I don't know. You know, they don't know, like ask the people that have spent the last 20 years but, trying to, to work yeah. the border. You're Those like, guys actually endorsed me in my race, you know, which is a big one in Arizona. But the re one of the reasons they did is because yeah, that's how I go into, you know, these situations and these 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 tough questions. Like, guys, tell me what I don't know, because yeah. I know I and I think that as a politician or a candidate, the general the general thinking is. Well, if, if I act, if I go into this meeting or I, I'm on this podcast and I act like I don't know the answer to something, then they're going to think that I, I'm clearly unqualified. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's an ego thing. I mean, the best leaders in, in the world surround themselves with the people that they don't know shit about. Yep. You know, um, and I think similarly, like, you know, to me, it's back to, you know, your, your decision-making process. I have a, a, a fairly similar one that I'll get into here in just a second. But to me, it's like, ask yourself a simple question. You know, it, it's not how do you secure the, the border or, or what do you do this, that, and the, and the other. It's do you want the border secured, yes or no? If the answer is yes, then ask the, the, the people that secure it for a living how to do it or, or just tell them, hey, secure the fucking border. I don't care how you do it. You and, guys are the experts. You do it. And if, you just nailed you just nailed it, Mike. That's the problem. They don't want it secure. Yeah. They don't. Because yeah, a, a lot of these folks, not just running the U.S., but running everything they're globalists dude they don't yeah. they don't want borders it goes against like their charter yeah they want you know they want globalism they you know and it, it's uh you know it's unfortunate but that's that's just that's how it is yeah i mean to me it's 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 that simple i mean i'd love to have somebody from the the administration or somebody that's in a position to actually do something about it and just ask them that simple question and i, and I don't know why more people don't do that i mean even even a, a white house uh, you know, press representative from any, any major network. Do you guys want the, the border secure or not? Yes or no? Like not, well, it like, no, there's no depends. Do you want it secured or not? Yeah. Yes or no. And if you say yes, then I would say, then why don't you just tell the border patrol, Hey, secure the border. You guys are the experts, figure it out and secure it. Like, like why is that not, not discussed? You know, like I don't give a fuck what Jen Psaki thinks. I don't give a fuck what Joe Biden thinks. I don't give a fuck what Kamala Harris thinks she knows about, about doing anything or not doing it. Like you guys aren't border patrol agents. You're fucking politicians. You know, if I have a, a political question, I'll ask you guys, yeah. the, the border has nothing to do with that. But anyway, back to, to the prison issue. Uh, I, I get off track. I get fucking fired up sometimes, but 
the, the prison thing, I think, similarly, is that the decision-making process, and I, and I appreciate and, and really respect yours, is that to me, I, I ask the, the very first question is, how big of a deal is this? Yeah. You know, is it pick, pick an issue, is that look at the data. Like, no different than a, uh, an ER doctor would triage a, a, a bus accident where there's 40 people that come in. Okay, who, who are the five worst-off people? Right. You know, okay, well, that's what we're going to deal with. So COVID deaths, as an example, that's not on the radar. It's not even in the top 10 for that age group, right? So, no, I'm, I'm not even going to worry about that. We're not going to talk about it. There, there's nothing to talk about at that point. What is the biggest problem? And so to me, like with prison, similarly, is it, okay, how big of a problem is this? And, and I love that, that you asked the sheriff, like, hey, is this going to make us safer or less safe? Not, I know what's going to make us safer. I'm going to ask the guy who actually deals with it every yep. day, is this going to lead us down the, the primrose path or not? Yes, and we do it. No, then we don't. Um, but so with, with prison, it, it's kind of that same, like, ask yourself one simple question. Is is that, you know, is prison, is, is the point of prison to punish and to discourage future similar activities? Yes. Okay. So then why isn't prison set up to do exactly that? Because it's not. Right. I mean, the numbers wouldn't be what they are. So you said to punish and to what? And to discourage further continued activities that landed them there in the first place. Right. So, yeah, I would say that those are correct. But I would also add um, I would also add on on top of that list to keep the communities safe in many cases that have been terrorized by these people. Yeah. Agreed. And so. You know, so my, my take is that, and, and I pull this from dog training, um, is that, you know, from a psychological standpoint, it's the exact same principle. There is an undesired behavior that you want to extinguish, right? right? So it's that simple. So you provide a consequence to extinguish that undesirable behavior. If that consequence is not commensurate with extinguishing the behavior, then you've wasted your fucking time. Further, in most cases, whether it's prisoners, human beings, dogs, kids, whatever, the, the psychology behind the, the learning of that in this example is the exact same irrespective of any of those variables. Is that uh, further, if, if it doesn't extinguish it, a lot of times it emboldens and builds confidence in doing it again, right? And so as a dog trainer, if dog X is doing behavior Y and I provide consequence B, if B isn't, an X, isn't enough to get X and Y out of the equation, then B doesn't work, and, and I have to do something right. you know, more or whatever. And so with prison, you know, it, like all of these prison shows that you see, and there's the, the one in Arizona with that sheriff where you know, there's like you know, um, civilians that, that go in there and get, uh, you know, they're, they're on camera and like they infiltrate and, and, and like they're playing games and shit. Like the fact that that's even possible, I think, highlights and speaks volumes to how ridiculous our, our uh, punishment system is for, for criminals. But, you know, to me, as you well know, uh, environmental factors are incredibly motivating or can be. And, and so my take is that to cut down on the number of prisoners, the recidivism rate, as well as the amount of money that we fucking spend every year on incarceration, is that you make those conditions... Uh, appropriate to keep people from wanting to come back because right now they're not a lot of people enjoy being in prison. They'll do things to get back into prison. Yeah. Uh, you know, you shouldn't be able to watch TV and get a fucking degree and all this other stuff. If, if the goal is again, to punish and to discourage that further, further use, my take is, and most people are going to disagree with this and say it's cruel and unusual punishment. However, 
is that you know you, you have a cell that's just big enough to lay down in, and there's a, a Middle East-style toilet uh, and a sink. You don't get any clothes, right? You have no furniture, right? And, and the ambient temperature in that prison uh, system, not just the cell but the entire system, is, is on the verge of you being hypothermic, right? So you are freezing your fucking ass off all the time. You're totally naked, and you have to lay on the ground. Now... Imagine how long any of these guys, these tough, hardened fucking badasses, where you've seen some of the toughest men you've ever come across be so cold that they're willing to fucking quit, yeah. right? Is, oh, is, yeah. is that that will take the piss and vinegar out of fucking everybody, especially when you're sleeping that way, right? When you're shivering naked fucking sleeping. Right. But you put them in that environment. How long do you think it would take for somebody to be in that environment day in, day out before they say, I am never, ever fucking coming back to this again? Yeah. No, from a from a strictly problematic standpoint, I mean I mean you're you're on the money. Yeah, however, two weeks. However, that, you know, I believe it's the 8th amendment protection against unreasonable um or cruel and unusual, cruel and unusual punishment. punishment, sorry. That that's and and you are you already said that prior. And most people would consider that, and that and that's where you run into the rub. Is it okay? You're now violating my constitutional rights, and so yeah. from a problematic standpoint, which is good because I thought you were when as you started going down the dog trainer tangent, you're going to be like <laughs> electrocuting oh, put choker collar, <laughs> collars on these guys. And, well, yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's it's know. just environment, right? That's all it is. Uh, I mean, I mean, but t- to be fair though, I mean solitary confinement isn't any less cruel. Yeah, I mean it's not like there's been enough studies done that that, that for a, for a human being who in in most circumstances who are are inherently and genetically very social creatures, yeah, putting them in that environment is is one of the most cruel and and detrimental mentally environments you can put. Oh, somebody I, in. you know, it's like I, I most guys I know would rather take a punch in the chops than be isolated yeah. for twelve hours. But, you know, but, but we we live in such a soft culture and a, such yeah. a soft society that. You know, it's like, you know, even that, I mean, just the, just, it's considered, you know, it'd be considered barbaric, cruel, unusual, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, to me, I guess the the frustrating part with that is that one, it's all in the eye of the beholder. What I think is cruel, somebody else may maybe think is not and and vice versa. But, but further, I think the the current system psychologically is, is more uh, cruel and unusual than, than that environment that I just said. And in that, like, if, if you're, having nervous breakdowns or, or fearing being raped or stabbed or, or being in that, you know, dog eat dog world of, of gangland where everything is race based. How the fuck is that less cruel and unusual than, than just being in, in a, in a place where you're freezing your fucking ass off. Like you're not getting ass raped. You're not getting stabbed. You're cold as fuck. Yeah. You know, but, but mentally that has less of a, of a traumatic impact than what normal people prison is in some of the harder places. I mean, with some of the fucking people there around, but you, you dude, you might be right. I mean, I can't, you know, I hope I never, I hope I never taste it, but man, I can't, you know, it's funny. I jokingly tell people all the time, you know, being on a ship for me was like being on a floating prison, but yeah. it, it had, didn't have near the level of, uh, hardships that the folks that, end up in that institution deal yeah. with on a daily basis. And I, and I think it, I think it would be a brutal environment, but to your point, do I think that there would be less, uh, you know, recidivism? Absolutely. Yeah. Because you know, people, that would be a, that would be a real deterrent. Yeah. 
I mean, if you know, like, it's not, yeah, I can't wait to get back in so I can, you know, hustle cell phones and drugs and be a shot caller for this fucking gang and and run my fucking drug business out of here. And I mean, like, that shit isn't happening there. If you're so fucking cold to where you're about to freeze to death all the time, like, you're not trying to rape other people. You're not trying to fight anybody. You're not trying to smuggle shit in. Like, the only thing you're worried about, I mean, take your school. Yeah, like at fucking one in the morning, you know, in uh, in the, in the environments that we do that in, when it's thirty six fucking degrees, there is one thing you're thinking about, and that's it, one fucking thing, you know, yeah. and that's trying to get warm. That's it. Yeah, you know. But anyway, I know we're running short on time. There's one one last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up, and that's foreign policy. Obviously, you and I have both gotten our hands dirty for Uncle Sam and have been all over the world on behalf of of him. Um, both from a big picture standpoint um, and specifically Ukraine right now, because that's kind of, you know, the, the big thing of what's going on. What, uh, what's your, your stance on all of that? My, my stance in one word would be caution as we go in, as I unpack that a little bit. Um, I, you know, as I've gotten older, um, one of the things that I really give credit to Donald Trump um, for is, I think he awakened a lot of us to the America first movement. And basically, you know, that, that, that has all sorts of connotations. Many of them aren't positive, but what it really to me is, is do you put an America first or is this the best thing for our country? That lens in front of every issue that you look at what's going on in Ukraine is no different. And, and Mike, you and I know too many gold star moms. We knew we know too many guys that didn't come home. Um, we just got out of, you know, two decades worth of war. Um, and so when I look at, when I look at this situation with Ukraine, you have to look at the situation in its entirety. You can't just, and what, what the media is trying to do right now is they're trying to pull your heartstrings and they're doing a pretty damn good job of it by showing, you know, the families and the communities. That's that have the been feed the children commercials. Yeah. By been, and they, and many of them, they have been, and it's, it's hard to watch. And if you don't have your heartstrings pulled, when you watch that stuff, maybe you should go get some help. But the thing is, is like, you have to start when you look at serious decisions, you have to look at serious outcomes and you have to play this thing out as far as it could go. And what I like to remind people is, is that this is the same leadership group we have the same administration that pulled us out of Afghanistan. I mean, that was one of the biggest debacles, one of the biggest embarrassments, one of the biggest loss of U.S. servicemen blood in, in, in a long time, you know, because of their complete incompetence. And so if you took this leadership that we have, and this isn't a, this isn't a poke at the military at all. We, have a, we still have, the, in my opinion, the greatest military in the world. And we still have, you know, the best service, armed forces, service members in the world as well, but we don't have good leadership. And so I look at this and I look at, okay, I know with, I know for a fact within the last two and a half months, the Russians, um, the Iranians and the Chinese have been running joint drills together. All right. That shows collaboration. It's in, and and it's intentional. It's not, it's not a coincidence. Okay. So if we were to, if we get too froggy, if we get too aggressive with our actions in Russia, 
we could kick off World War III like that faster than this whole thing unfolded. And if you back an individual like Vladimir Putin into a corner that isn't concerned about, um, you know, inclusivity or um, a lot of the things that are, you know, or his white rage, you know, like a lot of our generals seem to be concerned about, um, that could that could be catastrophic. And so I think that we need to be extremely careful with uh, how we proceed. I, I'm totally fine with humanitarian aid. To an extent, I'm even I'm even okay with supplying weaponry. But by no stretch, I, I would ne- I'm not okay with us talking about, <clears throat> you know, bring, you know, sending in troops, boots on the ground, or you know, uh, you know, equipment. And so, um, you know, the other thing is we have to keep in mind we're thirty trillion dollars in debt, Mike. Thirty trillion dollars in debt. Oh, and by the way, we don't have a southern border. Yeah. Okay, and so you gotta you gotta prioritize things. Um, you got to look at the big picture, what could happen, what could go wrong. And you also have to look at if things do go wrong, who's running the show. And if, if that doesn't scare the snot out of you, I don't know. And and cause you to take a breath and pull back and be cautionary when looking at what's going on in uh, Europe right now. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, do you remember, uh, towards the end of I would say largely that the combat operations in Afghanistan, this was a few years ago where there were some reports of, of uh, questionable evidence of Russia paying uh, for, do do you remember the, the outcome of that, if that was verified or not? I don't. Yeah. So uh, the reason I ask is that, you know, to me where, where there's this kind of strange gray area of the, you know, the, the lunge from, humanitarian to weapons is that if you put that shoe on the other foot, right, is that if if Russian military forces were in Pakistan training Afghani Taliban and Al-Qaeda guys on our weapon systems, giving them weapons and ammo, and, and they were funneling it back in and fighting and killing our guys, how would we respond to that? Right. I have an, an idea of how we would respond to that, you know. And so yeah. to me, in, in uh, agreed, this stuff is tough to watch. There are also dozens of other examples all over the fucking planet where equally egregious things are taking place while, yeah. while we're not even talking about it, let right. alone doing anything about it. And I'm not saying, right. you, know, you know, that we should just bury our heads in the sand and, and let, you know, World War II happen all over again and do nothing about it. That, that is a tough decision to make and, and, and when to get involved versus not. I, I tend to look at, at history in terms of, not repeating mistakes and also learning from uh, the ways that we did things well. And I think World War II is a good kind of guideline for how to enact multinational geopolitical foreign policy that way is that, you know, you get involved when, when you need to basically. And then when you do, you take the gloves off and you do everything within your entire nation's populace's power to completely fucking wipe the floor with the opponent. Right. I think in this case, you know, and, and taking World War II as an example is that, you know, if, if a country, you know, gets into it and invades a neighbor, that's enough for, you know, the red flag to go off and say, you know, okay, hey, wait a minute. Like, okay, they're, they're trying to take over another country. You know, you help with the humanitarian 
maybe you give give weapons maybe not again that's a gray area tough decision again putting the shoe on the other foot of saying well how would we respond in in kind to me it's it's anything past that it's okay now we're going to this neighbor now it's all nato countries you know basically axes versus allies uh you know world war ii good versus evil like now now you have clearly shown that, that you're on the war path trying to uh, you know, take over fucking, you know, as much as you can. And, and then that's when you absolutely get involved. Could, could you argue that that's an oversimplification? Of course. I mean, every dynamic is different. Every situation has its own set of variables and intangibles that are different and, and drive, you know, the, the reaction for us differently. But I think that's a, a good rule of thumb to just look at it that way. But, yep. um, <coughs> So I got, you know, from from the standpoint of of also kind of red lines, and this is something that uh, both Obama and Biden, I think, are uh, very guilty of and grossly inadequate in terms of how they talk about red lines and then don't do shit. You know, I mean, to me, like he, he made that joke of talk softly and carry a big javelin, which is a cheese dick and b, I think, a, a sacrilege to the original quote. Uh, based on how he's conducted himself, is that he ran his mouth like he was a total fucking badass yeah, did. D- during the campaign, you know. So, one, you didn't speak softly. You know, you, you spoke like a total fucking tough guy with your peacock feathers straight up in the air. And then when somebody called your bluff, you folded like a cheap fucking lawn chair. Yeah. You know, and and to me, like, that's the worst of both worlds, you know. Um, and, and both he and Obama have, have routinely done that. Um, and I, and I think that, uh, you know, that that's as dangerous as, as anything, frankly, is to talk tough and then not do shit. I mean, you see foreign policy wise, all of these different uh, world leaders who won't even fucking take his phone call now. I mean, they don't yeah. respect us worth shit. Uh, they won't even talk to him and they basically do whatever they want. And, and he's just kind of walking around looking lost. I mean, it's, it's, I honestly feel bad for the guy at this point, like seeing how, deteriorated his mental condition is and, and what have you, but he, he just needs to not be in that position, yeah. uh, you know, plain and simple. But anyway, I know uh, we're running out of time here. Is there anything uh, you wanted to add to the foreign policy uh, gig or? Um, well, I mean, I, I think we're good. I think one of the big things right now though, you know, that is when, when we're talking about, you know, foreign policy, we did green light, the Russian um, pipeline, the ener- energy yeah. pipeline, and we shut down our own. Yeah, and I think that I, mean, I think that that has security implications. It obviously has massive economic implications. But again, you know, this administration joked that um, well, it's good that the adults are returning. You know, yeah, and, and it's just it's so ironic because you've gotten the exact opposite. You've gotten complete incompetence and you know reckless you know, reckless policy behavior. And uh, I think that's why you see so many guys that come from our world that never wanted to be in politics that are recognizing how dangerous this threat is and how unsustainable it is who have said, Hey, I know, I know I'm far from perfect, but I'll go. This is, this is important enough where I will, you know, put the comfort of my life behind for a moment and I will go serve again. And so I do have, I do have hope when I see that, but I think that energy right now, it, you know, what's going on with energy, it, it's, you know, it, it plays a big deal on so many different levels, but um, it, it cannot be ignored. Yeah. 
Is there a red line for you personally uh, in Ukraine where you would say, okay, if Russia does this, we have to actually send troops in a no-fly zone and all of that? Mm. You know what? I I haven't I haven't thought I haven't really thought through to the point where I've discovered a red line. You know, as far as the U.S. actually, you know, getting involved in that conflict, um, I would. What I would like to see is I would like to see NATO actually step step up in that case. And I think when you look at how much the U.S. has funded. NATO over the years. Um, I think that that's, if there be, if there is a red line, I would like to see that be the counter, Yeah, you know, and I think it, I think it needs to be, or, or, or what's the point of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I wish we had more time. Uh, I didn't think it even go this long, but, uh, our long winded asses. <laughs> I'm starting to wonder why yeah. You're not running for office, dude. Nah. You got you got you got some good uh, you got some good questions and some yeah. good solutions as well, man. I, uh, I I'm not sure that I have any business in uh, in any political office, but in in my idea of if enough people said, "Hey, you're the guy we want doing it," I, I would do it. But that's probably the only way I would do it. I, I don't know that I'd run on my own. But um, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day. I know you're busy as shit on the campaign trail. It's an honor to have you sitting here. I look forward to you winning and coming back and uh, interviewing you again uh, with a with a wizard look behind the curtain. Yeah, and uh, and and uh, you, have you, you know drive the, the deal. Car, you, so. you remember yeah. the deal. I absolutely. Don't have the truck in the yeah. parking lot. If I see that truck in the parking lot, when I, I'm just I'll take you to we're the taking house. off, Matt. Yeah. We're just I'll, out. I'll of take here, you dude. to I'll take you to the house. We'll do it. There. Right. I'll do it that All way. Right. But, uh, I wish you the best of luck. You have my full endorsement, that's for sure, and uh, and I'll certainly uh, plug the same on all my on all my stuff. Uh, when is the actual uh, from now until when when the election is? What does that look like for you? And when is the election for you? Yeah, so the uh, our primary is in uh, early August, and then the uh, general is uh, in November. So, you know, one way or another, we're either this thing you know is over in August or we move on to the next round. And yeah. like I said. Um, I'm not super concerned about the outcome. Yeah. I'm just trying to, you know, not become something I don't hate and yeah. be real and be authentic yeah. in, in the process. The micro decisions. I yep. love it. Uh, what district is it? It's, uh, it's the old CD one, but it, because, and I say that because we just had redistricting all over the country, oh, okay. but now it's called CD two. Okay. So CD2 Arizona, uh, vote for Eli Crane. He's uh, he's the man. No no two ways about it. If not, choke yourself. There you go. Uh, there you go. Anyway, uh, to the supporters, I hope you enjoyed this. It's been awesome being able to talk uh, with Eli and and get his take on everything and hash through some of these uh, these issues that I know uh, all of us think about and and are are big ticket items for for most Americans. So hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thank you for the support. And as always, until next time, this is Mike Drop. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. 
Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.